Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to that Chelsea Podcast, Episode 70, Hit and Miss. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. No Jack this week, but I've got a very special guest for you boys and girls. You may have known him on Twitter as Red as CFC. He does the two minute videos. He also moves on to YouTube as well to discuss Chelsea. Uh, Red is how are we doing, my man? Oh, I'm good. Thanks. Excited to be on. Looking forward to a good natter about Chelsea, even though it was off the back of a, uh, a disappointing day at the office, but still loads to chat about. Yep, no, exactly. In this episode, we will be talking about the Spurs Carabao Cup second leg, so a bit of positivity there, and the Manchester City game of the weekend. But as always with guests, I get them to give themselves a plug. So, Red, one, you tell people where they can find you on Twitter, as well as you've now moved on to YouTube for, for your uh, shows with Scotty Hater. Yeah, no problem at all. Well, obviously, you can find me on um, at Redder's CFC is my handle. I tend to do daily videos now. It was meant to be once a week, but then I got carried away and I haven't stopped. And now I just can't stop. I think my partner at home wants me to stop because uh, every day is recording video day. But um, And I also this week have launched a show with Scotty. Um, which is called Our Chelsea Week. And I'm just going to try and find you. My handle's actually in my um, in my bio, but it's Redders CFC again is my YouTube um, account. And basically it's a topical show, bringing everything to life in our week. We're match goers, we go a lot. And uh, just talking about the whys and wherefores of Chelsea, a bit of fun really. So um, yeah, that's me. Um, and now I'm up for talking fun with you, with your amazing show. So let's crack on. Yeah, you know, exactly. Redder's links will be in the description below, so make sure you check him out to say good, good stuff on Twitter. And you know, he's best mates with with JT and uh, and Didier Drogba, etc. So, you well, know. that is the dizzy heights of my account, isn't it? I mean, them retweeting it. I have basked in the glory somewhat of that. I probably need to stop mentioning that. I think I mentioned it to random people in the street, just stop and ask them, just say, "Do you know who I? Do you know who John Terry is? He likes me. He's my best mate." So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. We'll go to it. Have a week started off actually. In good in good spirits, we went to Spurs away. Carabao Cup, just under six thousand fans. Um, Redders, we secured our place in the Carabao Cup final, and you were there. That must have been quite a nice night. Oh, fantastic! The atmosphere was just brilliant, electric as it always would be, and. And for me, it's a massive game. It was a huge game. Anyway, I always said at the beginning of the season, I fancied this is quite an important competition. It has been for previous managers. It certainly served Man City well. And it had, and it has done with Mourinho and other past regimes. And I always think with TT, an opportunity to win another trophy is momentum. It gives him some buying power with the board. If things don't go right in the league, which looks like they're going to come up slightly short, I think any time he's putting more silverware on the table, there's opportunity to get three or four this year if he really gets it going, including Super Cups. So massive night, massive occasion. They were hospitable as ever, the Tottenham fans, you'll be pleased to know. 
they were delighted to see us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and does say that was a very successful night at Chelsea. And as I said, at the start of the season on the season preview podcast with Adam Eason, I did predict Chelsea would get to the Carabao Cup final. So that was oh, nice. Well done. Nice work. Exactly. Exactly. One of my predictions that is going to come off. And that meant that 24% of Tottenham's defeats at their new stadium are at the hands of Chelsea. We have a very nice record there. <laughs> it's, it's a really good. good stat. Oh my God, that's stat of the day. I love a stat like that. That, that one, that one's going to be, um, that'll be remembered by me. I keep a lot, I keep an eye on that log. So yeah, we we have a very you know nice record there. We they don't tend to score against us either there, which which is nice. Um, but Red is you know we don't spend too long the game, but I guess the main man Tony Rudiger pops up you know with the goal. Yeah. I just I guess again he didn't really put a foot wrong. Yes, you know obviously I know there was the penalty that then was correctly overturned because it was outside the box. It was a free kick. Mm. Uh, but what did you kind of make of his performance? Again, just another sort of statement of going you know a type of probably a top player like we need to keep this football club if possible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I've said this quite. I've been quite outspoken about my views. I, replacing centre backs becomes the hardest job on the pitch for me. Like you can get away with other areas, but centre backs traditionally have always been tough at all clubs to replace. I remember that first season when Vidic came in for United, dreadfully was, and it's not always the easiest position to fill. I feel that Rudiger is kind of getting to a position where he's with the exception maybe of Van Dyke and Diaz, and you can argue that they're they're about the same level. Van Dyke's levels have just dropped. I mean, there isn't a better centre-back in the country for me. He's athletic. He does the nasty stuff. He's got an eye for a goal. He's a dre- generally good on the ball. And he, I love his marauding runs. He's definitely smashing one in the top corner at Stamford Bridge one day. I don't know when that day's coming. Uh, I know there's a few balls in West Brompton Cemetery currently, aren't there, where he's had a go. But he's definitely scoring. For me... Personally, I think Chelsea need to find the money and make that happen. I actually think he will sign. I've got a sneaky feeling that he's turning full circle. I said early that I didn't think he would leave. He's never really cited loads of clubs for me. Like he's never been one of those guys. You know, we get those players who go, "Oh, I need to go back to Barcelona," or I, "I've got to get to Real Madrid." And you get that he's never been that sort of guy. I never thought he's never really spoken about his homeland and being a big Munich fan or anything like that. So I'm just thinking he's playing the best footballer's career and he's integral to what we do. We can't win the league without Rudiger for me next season. He needs to be at Chelsea Football Club. It's that important. His performance on the night is impeccable and his last ditch clearances and blocks, which aren't just every now and again, they're becoming like sort of Ashley Cole regularity. He really is uh, away from the class and the obvious, obviously eye-catching silver, he's everything a centre-back needs to be, Rudiger. Yeah, no, exactly. another exceptional performance from Tony Rudiger. That's also now two goals in his last two trips to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So maybe he's starting to like going And he was there over with well. the crowd, Nick. He would have loved that. He was over there. He does like it. He's, he, you know, I know Sil- everyone at Silver gets the plaudits, but he came over. He does, you know, he's banging the badge as well. He likes, I think he's going to sign. I really do think Tony has signed. Well, hopefully he does, because said the Andreas Christensen news does not maybe seem as positive as that. But don't worry, we don't need to to worry about that. But yeah, Tony Rudiger, 96.3% pass accuracy, 87 touches, three interceptions, two aerial duels, one, two shots, one clearance, one block shot, one chance created, one tackle, one goal, a rock at the back. And yeah, he was exceptional. Whereas there's sort of one person I want to focus on, that was Phil Malang Saar. We saw him yeah. as a left back. He actually, you know, against, you know, he's been mainly used in the Carabao Cup. And, you know, up till maybe the Spurs games, he was not perhaps viewed in the highest light. He was viewed as, you know, he's done okay. He's done all right. It sort of feels like his stock sort of really rose in these last two Carabao Cup ties. Obviously, you know, he, first leg he dealt with Harry Kane very, very, very easily. And in the second leg, he was decent going forward. And obviously it helped, but he loved winding up Giovanni Lo Celso and the Spurs fans. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Yeah, that was, I actually only saw that when I got home. And uh, I quite like that in a football. I certainly like it in uh, centre-backs or defenders. They need a bit of needle. I think the thing for me, obviously, he he came in, didn't he, at Brentford, I believe. Yeah. Um, And was steady Eddie on the night. I think he's going to one of those footballers, if I'm honest, will get better on the ball. The argument would always be, are we replaced? Have we replaced someone who was is is worse than Kurt Zuma, if you like? Thing is, Zuma is a long way down the road in his development to get to where he is now. And Chelsea looked to an option to cash in on him. I I wouldn't be too harsh on the lad. I think he looks pretty steady, Eddie. He looks pretty versatile. He's obviously a great athleticism 
brilliant physique, really strong. I think the ball ta- the ball playing ability will get better, and where he where his defensive positioning will get better. But I thought he was it was two good performances from him. He certainly didn't let anyone down. And uh, Chelsea Football Club, if they're going to play five at the back with three centre backs. You know, that is tough all year to maintain those fitness. So you're going to need to integrate him in. And I think he's got the good, he's got good people to learn off, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. exactly. Another encouraging I'm pretty impressed with him, to be honest. Yeah, and that was managed, you know, again, Thiago Silva was just coming back from COVID. He got about 15 minutes at the end, along with N'Golo Kante. And again, Chelsea managed that tie fairly well. And obviously, as in both legs, there was that moment of comicalness. Obviously, you know, Spurs in the first leg with the own goals. And in the second leg, thinking they'd equalised, you know, on the night anyway, only for it to be offside because, you know, Kepa, fair play to him, stepped up and played played Kane offside. And yeah, Spurs fans, unfortunate, uh, unlucky lads. That was the best cheer of the night, by the way. I will just say for anyone who probably missed that sometimes on TV, VAR was almost MOM, second to only Rudiger. It was fantastic. They were crowd surfing the Tottenham fans. They were over the moon when they scored. But the delay was, it was almost perfect theatre. You would have loved it. It was good fun. I I couldn't help thinking, obviously, (laughs) people aren't aware. I've been, I'm currently self-isolating with COVID, so I was not at Spurs midweek, unfortunately. Jack was, he had a great time. But yeah, I, I couldn't help thinking, obviously, you know, when Ruder scored that away and would have, would have been class, but almost, you know, for di- you know them, them thinking they have two penalties only to be, dis- to be overturned, <laughs> and then thinking they've scored, that was probably almost as good as, as the goal we scored. Yeah, it would have been a top top night as we secured our place in the Carabao Cup final. And look, Red is just quick thoughts. Obviously, I guess, you know, the time of going, obviously, Arsenal-Liverpool first leg is nil-nil. Do you have a preference on who you would rather play in the final? And just, I guess, how excited are you? To be back, be back, you know, at a final at Wembley because obviously some fans would have been there last year for the FA Cup against Leicester, yeah. but for for a lot of Chelsea fans, the last trip there to Wembley was for the Carabao Cup final in 2019 under Maurizio. Sorry, so it has been a while for Chelsea fans to be at Wembley, obviously due to due to the pandemic, etc. Well, firstly, I'm absolutely delighted. I think any opportunity uh, it gets to the business end of this competition in quarterfinals, semifinals, and suddenly it becomes a competition to win. It's always one of those competitions. You go out in the third round, everyone always says, well, it's only the Carabao Cup. You get to the semi and then it's a, it, the game changes. And it certainly has changed. And there'll be no love lost with our finalists, whoever we play. My personal preference, if I'm totally honest, I would prefer Arsenal. There's history there. Um, I was at that cup final, we lost, and they've had a number a couple of times in bigger games, surprisingly, and on the big pitch at Wembley, I've gone to those occasions thinking we would be too strong for them, and they've ended up nicking a football match, and I don't quite know how they've done that. On one of the occasions, I think we led the FA Cup final, didn't we, and uh, and lost, so... um it would definitely be them. I know Scotty, my uh, my co-host on my show, tends to go with Liverpool. I don't know why he would go with them. I just think Liverpool got too many threats. And if they play the A team and, and their 11 is strong, I'm always picking Arsenal over Liverpool, personally. Yeah, no, fair. I think that's, that's a very fair point of view. Obviously, Arsenal seem to have a bit of a hoodoo over us in cup finals. We obviously, we have lost our last two FA Cup finals to them. Um, but let's see, you know, the Carabao Cup is a competition that we tend to do all right in. In finals, I don't think there's perhaps that you know checkered record. Maybe it's only in recent history. Obviously, if we you know we'll just forget 2008 and what happened there. Um, oh. But yeah, <laughs> but we're going to move on to the yeah. weekend. Manchester City. Obviously, the news I guess before the game, Andreas Christensen you know tested positive for COVID, so he was unavailable. We were sort of you know to the bare bones a bit. Uh, we did play that back three. Malang Sar came in. You know, it was Rudiger on the right as well. Thiago in the middle, Aspi and Alonso wing backs. Kante Colvert in midfield. Uh, Redders, it, it was one of those games. I think a lot of us knew it was going to be a very tough game. We all know how good Manchester City are. We kind of saw how much we struggled against them in the first game at Stamford Bridge. And bear in mind, in this game, we were also without, you know, our first choice wingbacks, who, let's be fair, are very crucial to the way this team plays. Yeah. It can't have been too surprising for you to, I guess, see how much City dominated, how much we struggled. Um, how, like, satisfied were you with, I guess, the fact that, we, you know, it's one nil. We never really threatened. As soon as it went one nil, to me, it kind of felt it was game over. But how, like, were you like, I guess, satisfied with, I guess, how Tuchel sort of set up a little bit, given that for seventy minutes, so the plan was sort of working. I mean, personally, I always think, and I've said this before. Look, football matches are always about moments. They are, and the better the team you play, unfortunately, the less moments you get. So therefore. 
if you take advantage of those moments, you utilize them, suddenly what can look an average performance can actually look like a very professional clinical job. And in the first half, Lukaku makes a poor decision in on goal and tries to pass it, should take that on. That's an easy pass for Ziyech to make in behind along the floor. That's not a tough pass that he sh- he'll be really disappointed. You know, looking at Lukaku being one-on-one, he actually got that opportunity in the second half, one-on-one. And I think his shot selection, he kind of ta- he kind of telegraphed it a bit to the keeper. It's a good save, but he made it pretty obvious. They're your moments. They're the ones that change games. If Chelsea make that goal and we, we, we take a lead there, it's suddenly a different football match. And so I wouldn't be overly harsh on the setter. I know a lot of people on Twitter and other mediums would be saying it was a really poor performance. You're never going to have all the ball. And I suggested we would play five because I thought we would hope to try and nick it on the break. And we had good opportunities away from those three massive ones. But there were good areas in which the only thing I would say, we lacked a bit of progressive passing for me. We looked like we were a little bit stuck between stick or twist, rabbit in the headlines. I don't know quite that what that was. We lacked that direction. A lot of the times we had opportunities to break and make incisive runs and actually good areas in the good pitch coming into that final third and having them on the back foot. And we've ended up sort of backtracking and going back around the houses. And then that enables their press to get further up. And then we looked under it because when they get going, they've got so much mobility and organisation in that press. It's very difficult to play through the lines there, and especially in your own half. I don't think it was the worst tactical setup. I think we'll talk about the lineup and stuff. I think there could have been tweaks there up top. I certainly wasn't overly happy. I, people will say that's hindsight and me suggesting because we were poor, it was a, I'm suggesting the lineup. I didn't fancy the lineup from the start up top. But I don't think it was a complete disaster. As I said, those three moments, we could have quite easily nicked a go in that first half. And then the game could have been different. Just, you know, in my opinion. Yep, obviously the first moment you're sort of referencing, Romelu Lukaku actually does well initially, you know, he gets past John Stones. Very That's easy. Right. And he has two options. He either carries on and shoots or he plays in Marcus Alonso. Those are his two options. Unfortunately, he goes for the third, which is Hakim Ziyech, who is offside. <laughs> um, doesn't yeah. really need to be too much more to be said about that. It was frustrating <laughs> with Rom. Um, he just made, unfortunately, you know, the wrong decision. But you kind of saw that happened early on in the game. You're thinking, OK, maybe, maybe. You know, I wasn't happy Rom was stung. I didn't think it was a game for him. I thought we would suffer and that ultimately would it would 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 have made a difference if someone like Harvard starts it's hindsight now we won't know but I, you know that was my feeling we might regret starting wrong and unfortunately we kind of did uh the second moment as you mentioned Ziyech just massively overhits a pass you know just yeah. massively massively overhits a pass and it's, it's a frustrating one with Hakim Ziyech because he was one and I, I lived it I was on stream for a night a great guy called Charlie Patrick I picked my team and I said you know I think this is a game for Hakim Ziyech. And I, I, I ref that because I said I looked for two games against Manchester, two of the games against Manchester City last year, the FA Cup, where he scored, he had a good game. He linked up quite well with Timo Werner. And obviously the game of the Etihad as well, he scored a goal, he was decent. And I just thought his range of passing and what he offers, he might be able, he might be quite good for us getting balls, you know, in behind that city defence if we're trying to get, get in behind them. Unfortunately, that just did not work because Hakim Ziyech was pretty anonymous and his, you know, his passing, passing was a bit off. Um, He's a confidence guy, isn't he? He reminds me of a guy who, um, and there's been many footballers like this down uh, history, if he starts well, he goes and builds on and there's momentum in his football match. And Lukaku's a bit like that as well. That first 20 minutes is quite important for some of our brittle forwards who, who probably lack a little bit of backbone or not playing with much confidence. And actually, the three of them... In a perhaps in a Jose Mourinho world, they might well have been hooked to those three after 60 minutes. I'm surprised they weren't. And that ZH pass is an example of a lack of concentration, a kind of error that City don't make when they have moments. And you couldn't see uh, Bernardo Silva making that overhit pass when they have a chance to nick a football match. And that's the brutal world at top of the league, I'm afraid. And uh, he has overhit it, but it's a poor pass because it's not an e- it's not a hard one. And actually, quite often he. Makes makes harder passes quite often and that one was a lack of concentration so I had Ziyech to start because he didn't figure much at Tottenham he came on I felt Melton would start but we'll go into that but yeah I, I he was a bit anonymous yeah and you sort of mentioned about that that missed chance and again I kind of limp out I said it against Liverpool a couple weeks ago again the difference between them and us there's I'm only in the Liverpool game Pulisic should round the keeper he doesn't you go about a minute or two later Mane at the other end rounds the keeper I feel that's just probably the difference between Chelsea and Liverpool and City is their forwards have confidence, fair in form. They take these chances. They take these half chances. 
Ours, unfortunately, don't. Yeah, so that was the, the second missed opportunity. And the third one is, again, you know, Rom's played through. Kovacic, great pass, you know, plays yeah, him through. Nice. And Rom, look, I think, I, I said, this one I'm not too critical on. Edison is out his goal. You know, Rom does telegraph it, but at the same time, I'm not sure necessarily if there's a huge amount more he can do it. It's a tough one. Uh, but that yeah. was a great chance. And then I think it falls to Ziyech and Ziyech blazes over. But that was, you know, again, that was the start of the second half. And you thought, OK, Chelsea, because after, you know, Bryce on first half, we, you know, we sort of got to half time just intact. And you thought, where we start the second half, OK, we might, you know, maybe we'll, we'll take it to him a bit more. But unfortunately, that was pro- probably as good as it got second half. We didn't really. No, we didn't. We, we didn't kick on from there. I think I've looked at that chance a couple of times. And I, I said yesterday in my video, actually, that I didn't think I'd be hyperly critical. I thought that the keeper was out. He's a good keeper. He's a big frame he's looking to shape it in that corner. Uh, does a more confident Lukaku drive at him and try and take him and perhaps win a penalty? You know, it's all hindsight and ifs and buts. Um, it wasn't an easy It wasn't an easy chance because the keeper's so far out there and you would have to be super cute to try and chip him. You'd be playing at another level confidence-wise. I'm not too harsh about that, but um, it, it was as good as it got on the day, really, and it petered out. And to be honest with you, City overrun us a bit second half. Yep, yeah, no, it was it was one I just think ultimately, you know, we struggled. I think the midfield two of Kante and Kovacic just struggled a bit. You know, both had slightly off days. Kovacic was, you know, nearly responsible for us going 1-0 behind, you know, playing yeah. court, playing out, pays dangerous pass, kept a credit to him, makes a big save. Kante, unfortunately, you know, wasn't his superhuman self. He was just a bit, you know, a bit below par. And I think that's, you know, it says we're talking about Kante, but that, you know, he had an average game, but because it's Kante, it probably, you know, feels it stands out a bit more just because of how how good we know he is. Um, yeah. As for the quitter as a wing back, don't want to go into it too much. We know it's probably, you know, not his best position doesn't really suit him. Alonso had a, you know, bit of a torrid time against Sterling at points, but then also did okay. He, he wasn't great. He wasn't amazing. It was, I guess, Marcus Alonso almost in a nutshell at the moment, kind of what you can expect to get with him. Um, I guess one for strange, Christian Pulisic, Redders, you know, I don't want to, you know, beat him too much, but he needs to get his head up. He needs yeah. to get his head up. He he runs and he runs. And then unfortunately, he doesn't get his head up and he, you know, runs into a position where he can't really do much. But he has to pass away to the side. The opportunity goes. And I guess it's frustrating because we saw against Liverpool after his goal, you know, you thought, OK, hopefully he'll kick on. He's not quite really, and obviously he's not featured much in the Spurs Carabao Cup ties. But he doesn't really, didn't really seem to, you know, take much confidence about Liverpool game. And I guess we're now at a point with Pulisic where we're sort of just like, ugh, we, we don't, I guess we don't really know what to do with him. And it, it's a tough one because ultimately they said the front three, I mean, mount, mount aside, although again, Mount in January has been quite quiet. The front three, you could literally just rotate at the moment, not because of how good they are, but because of how, how hit and miss they are and which one is least out of form, basically, yeah. you could say. I think there's, I think um, some of the Chelsea would argue that the lack of rhythm with those front three yeah. would indicate that that's there's a performance. But the reality is uh, they've got to realise there's too many games to play that front three all the time anyway. So there has to be a bit of movement of that. Um, in terms of Pulisic, I've said it before, I would expect in him to, he needed to do, have 30 games. When he got that first injury, I said, I'd like to see him play 30 games for the rest of the season, 35 games and solidify where he is. He looks like a player who has a lot of potential, but needs to be at match rhythm in his confidence in himself to be playing the football that he can do. At times when he comes back in after injuries, he just isn't at the races. But at this stat, at this stage, to be honest with you, I feel like he's had quite a a lot of football now. He's been back a while and it's still not happening. It's a good finish at Liverpool. But there's what I don't like about him is the inconsistency within a game. He goes missing. He doesn't often grab the game by the neck. That brilliant lockdown period without the crowds, he looked like something that was going to drive Chelsea Football Club on. I was really impressed with his running. His decision-making is the one thing that holds him back because he's got so much ability... And he can dribble and he can run at people. The problem is it's only good when you make the right right, right moment to choose to do that. If you do it wrong, you look like as much the same as Sean Wright Phillips and all those players that had amazing ability. If you pick the wrong time to dribble and lose the ball, you look silly. He needs to get better at understanding the game and where he is on a football pitch, I think, personally. Yeah, but say with Pulisic, it's you know, a frustrating one because it's now basically two years or two seasons since post-lockdown Pulisic, playoff Pulisic, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. And, and and he's not, we haven't really seen the progress we'd have liked to see. Obviously, there have been injuries, etc. that played a part, but still, we've not really seen him kick on as we like. And, it, and it's just a common theme, I think, with our attackers that I think we're probably not aided, but a lot of these players are young attackers. They're not in their primes, so they're all kind of growing together. 
but they're also, unfortunately, a lot of them, they're moments attackers, they're moments players, which is okay. Every now and then they can help you win the odd game, but they're not consistent enough, which means ultimately there will be times where they just let you down too often. You say, you look at the, the Watford win we had, you know, in December, one of our, I think only two, only one of the, you know, two wins in our last eight games or whatever. That was kind of decided on moments, really, you know, Havertz plays a brilliant pass to Mount. It's a brilliant finish. We were pretty awful for the rest of the game. And then Mount plays a great pass and Ziyech with a blinding finish. Those were our only two real, real good moments in that game. And it's, it's just one of those where, unfortunately, yeah, the attack's not quite firing. And for all the good Tuchel's done, the attack, he still struggled to really get a consistent tune out of. So it's, it's an interesting I do, I do actually think it's nice that, uh, and I, like, I'm not digging out wrong, but I like the fluidity of the way Kai Havertz plays football. I think he has an opportunity to bring people into play. He looks like he's linked with Mount quite nicely at times. And I think he could link with Pulisic. Pulisic can run off him. They can almost do that kind of, that kind of wall pass into feet and get it back. I feel like he might help the fluidity just slightly. I know that's a problem because it's a hundred million pound player and he's an asset and he needs to play. But I do feel like sometimes the lack of Lukaku's movement up there makes it, I think Pulisic and Ziyech are a bit concerned that they're sort of stuck out wide. They're not really getting involved in a football match as much as they need to be. Yeah. No, it's me. Look, Kai Havis is a player, but always leaves me wanting more when I watch him. Like yeah, yeah. he does. But at the same time, I also like I see him put himself about, even in that Liverpool game where he probably wasn't great, you know, statistically, he probably didn't look amazing. But you still sort of see like enough he puts himself about. And obviously, you know, you've actually got with him starting in that Liverpool game, him pressing created that Pulisic chance where if Rom's on the pitch, that doesn't happen. And I think ultimately, and I linked said it in a pod a few weeks ago. I think when we lost at West Ham. One of the big reasons that was Kai Havertz going off at half-time and being replaced by Romelu Lukaku, because that first half, we, we were looking good. We, our attack was linking up well. And unfortunately, Rom was coming back. He wasn't really fully fit, and we just struggled second half. But yeah, we won't really go too, like, look too back on that. We're going to move on to listener questions, and this gives a good opportunity to start on our keeper. Anna asks, I have one, unless it's already been asked. What do you make of Kepa's performances over the last few matches? Because obviously, Ben, we know Mendy's at AFCON. We knew we were going to have, be going into this you know, tough period of games without Mendy. Uh, the Carabao Cup, he's done his job. You know, Spurs made some big saves. What did you kind of make of his performance yesterday? Because obviously I saw on Twitter, a lot of the timeline was saying, Mendy saves that, which, okay, he may well do, but he's at AFCON. So it feels a bit of a kind of a moot point to me. But yeah. kind of what did you what did you make of Kepa's performance yesterday? Two, two tranches to that. Personally, um, well, for a start, Mendy's obviously our number one. So, yeah. so, that's, so that's that's decision. So you're talking about your second choice keeper. How many clubs in the country have got two keepers of that level? Not many. So I think you've got to be re- there's got to be a dose of reality there. First and foremost, Mendy was having a slight wobble as well. Uh, and it probably came at a good time for him. He made a mistake. The Villa one he could save. He made a mistake at West Ham. So I don't think he was necessarily playing at the best uh, he could do. In terms of Kepa, his professionalism to get back into the Chelsea side, he looks a lot much stronger athlete to me than he ever has. And his effort and work rate and keeping his head down and not talking to the press has been quite impressive. He's certainly a Chelsea guy and wants to play for us, which I love. He's been good in the games I've seen. In terms of yesterday's one, if you look at it, analyse it, and I've looked at it closely, the weight is slightly on the wrong side and it does create it difficult for him to then push off and jump and make now. That's hypercritical, but I'm sure his goalkeeping coach would be saying the same. He needs to be in a situation where he can burst off, but he's got himself caught the wrong side, if you like, and then it's difficult to make the just adjustment. It's a decent finish. Does Mendy save it? I don't like doing ifs and buts because Mendy's a much taller frame. I think Kepper also, does Does Mendy save the one-on-one when Kovacic gives the ball away and he makes a great save there, which could have killed the game at 1-0 before half-time. So there are lots of things, ifs and buts for me. Um, I thought his performance in the main was pretty solid. Um, obviously, that one where he comes running out and shins it um, was a bit unfortunate. But... Um, Look, he's our second choice keeper. There's no doubt about that. And we need to get behind him, really. I think the narrative to try and pick holes in a De Bruyne, a well-struck finish, the end of the day, could he have saved it? I'm sure he saved seven out of ten of them. But at the end of the day, he didn't on this occasion. But he has his overall performance was pretty steady, I thought. I didn't think there was any... There's certainly more concerns on the football pitch at the moment for Chelsea than Kepa. Yeah, no, I think completely agree there. Kepa is your second choice keeper, you know. There's a reason he's your second choice keeper because he's not as good as Edward Mendy. So therefore, you'd expect you know Mendy to save shots for Kepa, doesn't it? It's, it's not really 
don't really need to look into it too much. It was, yeah, I thought, you know, he's come in. We've not really, you know, worried too much. I don't worry about Kepa coming into games like I do, like I used to. So I guess that's the biggest positive. And he's done, you know, he's doing a job. And look, we, you know, fingers crossed, you know, he can play a role for us, you know, in the in the Brighton games, in the Spurs games, in the Cup competitions going forward. It'll be interesting, obviously, to see if he starts the Carabao Cup final. He started every round of the Cup. I'll just throw that to you, Redders. Are you one for, you know, playing your Cup keeper? Or are you one who, you know, who wants to see Mendy go? Because obviously last year in the FA Cup, there was the big debate where, you know, Kepa was our cup keeper. Then a lot of people wanted Mendy in the final. And obviously Kepa was beaten by a shot from distance by Yuri Tiedemans, which again, we come back to this debate of would Mendy would have saved that type thing, which we've just been half about. Do you have a preference for who you'd like to see start the Carabao Cup final? I mean, me personally, I'm a big advert for playing the best side. Um, and that's harsh, but these are professionals at the top level. Uh, they play at unique level Chelsea, the top percentile of the game. They earn big money and they'll understand that's the way it has to be. I remember watching Chelsea v Arsenal in a Carabao Cup final many moons ago over in, in, in Cardiff and Arsenal tried to play the same side. They played all the way there and Chelsea didn't mess around. They played the full strength and there was only one winner and you knew it from the first 11. And I think it's a key position. I would be always inclined to play Mendy um, as harsh as it much may be. And like the way, and also TT hooked Mendy for the penalties, didn't he, as well? So you have to accept it both ways in the, when he, for the, for the Super Cup, wasn't it? Um, he brought in a specialist in his view. So that's almost saying to Mendy, you're not quite good enough on the penalty shootout scenario. So um, I personally, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for playing the best you can possibly play. Yeah, no, exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think a lot of people share that view as well. The next question comes in from Christopher. And I like this. Is this not where we really expect to be? Better than 17 teams. Not quite as good as City. Lack that consistency across 38 games. Perspective, we have still improved this season, can still be any team on our, on our day. Today, we just didn't perform as City didn't in May. That's just perfect, isn't it? <laughs> that's almost like, that's what I actually wish you had sent that to me earlier so I could read it off and pretend I'm actually said that. It was one of the ones I actually want to pretend I know. Yeah, that's what I want to say. In fact, I might just nick that and post that in a minute, see if how many people like it. But um, yeah, no, it's a perfect way to look at it. And the end of the day, I said all season, Right from Dave Dot, before we kicked a ball, you finish above City, you win it for me. I always thought Liverpool would be short on bodies. This month would be key for them with those key players. I think Chelsea narrow the gap if we can. Keep momentum, keep plodding on and make that gap smaller. Bed in some more youngsters, more experience. And nick a couple of cups. There's a good opportunity here now. You would expect us to go well in the Club World Championship. The Carabao Cup were one game away. FA Cup's always been a famous cup for Chelsea. And look, it's a tidy draw in the in the Champions League as well. We can beat anyone on our day. We've got the personnel can do it. I think that's a really, really fair summary of Chelsea Football Club in this juncture. I think that's I couldn't say it better myself. Yeah, no, I think can't really disagree with that at all. You know, the start of the season, I think maybe the brilliance of Thomas Tuchel actually maybe got a lot of us believing. And rightly said, this team could go all the way. You know, we were top of the league at the start of December. You know, there's that period where we were scoring goals for fun. We were looking good. Our wingbacks were creating. You know, I think unfortunately, just ultimately, injuries, the loss of Ben Chilwell, especially just can't be like, that just can't be, you know, say how big that loss has been. Just Bruce. a huge, huge, big blow. And obviously now losing Reese James as well. It's just ultimately one of those things where we have, you know, Two, two backups who, who are decent players, but just stylistically are not the same. And therefore, we can't really expect to play the same way. And we are going to struggle a bit. And yeah, injuries have struck, hurt us a bit. COVID has struck, hurt us a bit. And look, not to be too petty, but the fact that we've not had some games called off when we've had more of a case than, than, than some teams have. Cough, cough, Arsenal. Um, you know, the North London <laughs> fake derby. Test, fake test Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it's one of those, yeah, I think, at the start of the season, you know, a lot of us didn't... At the start of the season, again, I predicted we'd get second. I thought, you know, City would be too strong. I thought, you know, second is possible. It's still achievable. Uh, I think, realistically, third is more what more where we might end up. But said, our next eight runs of actually... Next eight league games are relatively kind. You know, so there's a chance we could build some momentum. But, yeah, it's it's one of those. Ultimately, in the two games against City, we've just been outclassed. Yeah, not quite been points, at, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we've not quite been at full strength. You know, obviously, the game in the first game... Both first games against City, we played without Ben Chilwell. Both first games, we basically played without Rhys James. Rhys James went off injured in the first game. You know, we, we we're also just playing a City team that are just phenomenal. I think that's their 12th in a row in the league. And for context, I don't know how Chelsea have won in that game. It's probably less than half of our games we've won in that same 12th game. Anyway. So it just shows the difference. But yeah, it's 
no, I say I think a lot of people are fairly, you know, be fairly happy with the position we are in. Uh, next question comes in from Sean. It's easier to complain about the lineup after a game usually, but did you guys at the start of the game feel as if Tuchel could have gone with a slightly different Evan? This, this is, you know, the great question. We can't talk about it a bit off air, but you know, Ben, what did you kind of make of the lineup? And would I, what you know, you kind of you know said both of us didn't really want Rom starting that game. Yeah. So we'll say aside from Rom starting, how disappointed were you or how happy were you with the lineup? Because you know there was no Mason Mount, and that's twice we've yeah. played Manchester City this year. Neither time Mason Mount started, and I know it's. I know a lot of people say you know Mason Mount is the glue. Fair enough, he's a very good player. I do feel it's a bit simplistic to say, oh, we, you know, just because Mason Mount played, didn't play means we didn't win. I think it's a bit simplistic because Mount could have played and we still probably could have easily lost that 1-0. But on that team, what did you kind of make of it? How like, happy, disappointed were you with the team for our time? I mean, first and foremost, I predicted and I hoped it would be a five. So I was in that camp. I yeah. felt that it was set up to try and hit them on the break. I never expected it. I don't know why people thought we were going to have 75% of the ball against Man City. Um, they got ball players. That's the way they play football. So I thought it would be the five. I'm happy with Alonso and Dave as the only options we have available because I prefer people who've done the job by trade rather than a Hudson, a Doyle and a Pulisic trying to fill in because they don't track back and they don't position themselves well. Also, TT has the position has the right with his wing-backs to make sure how progressive they want to be. They don't have to bomb on every two minutes. They can sit in and make a five if you're trying to keep it compact. So I would have gone with that. I think that's the right shape. Christensen would have obviously started, but that was unfortunate. I think our best two midfielders, whether people think I'm wrong or right, I prefer Kovacic and Kante. It's just that Kante can't play as much. And Conte and 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 Kov has been injured and COVID. And Jorginho is a very, very good footballer as well. But um, so I haven't got a problem there. Personnel-wise, away from Rom, I would have played Havertz though, but I would have had Mason Mount. At the end of the day, the reason being is his production level has been much better in recent times. He's also one of the fittest young lads at our club, and I've got no concern with him being able to go again. And if you wanted to rest him at Brighton, rest him there. But this was our biggest game of the season. We win this, we go seven points behind. Mason Mount has to be in that front 11 because he's in our 11, he's in the best 11 players at our football club. There's also a break coming up and a time for him to consolidate and have some serious really some actually proper rest and rehabilitation so he should have played for me now the ZH thing's an interesting one because I thought he would play and he has impacted games and actually the manager likes him at times so I'm not do too disgruntled about that I did actually think if I had my choice it would have been Werner with the pace um uh, with all his um with all his uh, nuances and his iffy touch and he doesn't keep himself on side and all the thing that goes with that pace in behind can hurt. So I thought it might have been Werner, Havertz and Mount personally. Yeah, no, look, fair enough said. I think I pretty said on a stream in front of nine of the 11, you know, I said I I thought ZH would start. I got why he started. I didn't really have an issue. So unfortunately, that execution just didn't work. It happens. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have started Pusic. I would have started Timo instead of him. That's just the way it is. I think Timo, again, has you know, caused Manchester some problems last year. Even in the game, in the home game, he showed a lot of endeavour. He was probably one of the better players on the day there. Um, so I thought I would have started him instead of Pusic. And then, yeah, up front, for me, it had to be Havertz instead of Rom, just purely because I just thought we're not going to have a huge amount of a ball. We, and I thought we can't really just go long. It's just a bit, you know, simplistic. We'll, you know, Havertz will link up, will link quite well between players, you know, Good, good movement off the ball as well. But look, I said, it says a lot. The BT Sport commentary team yesterday, you know, they were constantly getting annoyed at Romelu Lukaku's runs not being picked out, which fair yeah, enough. Were, yeah. This is the argument. He should be, his runs should be picked out. But also if his runs aren't being picked out, then that should also be probably an indication that he perhaps shouldn't be on the pitch to me as well. It's not just, you know, the players need to do better for him. If, if he's not getting picked out, then there's probably also a reason for that as well. So that's a reason why I kind of wanted Kai starting. And yeah, look, in hindsight, look, yeah, Mason should have started instead of ZH. Obviously, in hindsight, that's easy to say. But at the time, I didn't mind it because I think Mason in January had actually been relatively quiet by his standards. I thought against Liverpool, mm. he was probably one of the quieter players on the pitch. In both the Spurs Carabao Cup ties, he was one of the quieter players on the pitch. So I didn't really have too much of an issue with him not starting, purely because he just played a lot of football. But obviously, yeah, now I think it's, you know, he came on, didn't wasn't really able to, to do much when he was on. Well, one thing I will say just quickly on this, 
Uh, and it's a slight criticism, TT, because I do think sometimes um, he ha is the Lordo master and we all love him and I respect him hugely. But I'm also happy to call out if I think things are slightly wrong or I think things are going to miss with a starting 11. One thing about TT, his in-game changes for me at times are not quite as aggressive and forward-thinking as I would expect. I, I, I'm a Mourinho in years gone by. I'm not talking about the Mourinho's manager at Tottenham. The Mourinho managed at Chelsea was a very, very shrewd operator and would often make double changes if he didn't see things right. And there's no way that Lukaku plays more than 60 minutes under a Mourinho regime. And a Ziyech or a Pulisic, two of the three would have been hooked because he would have seen it as an opportunity to change something drastically to get back into the football, football match. And it was so clear that at times, 12 minutes from Mount at the end... Romelu Lukaku playing 90 minutes just sometimes his in-game changes I just like to see him step up with the aggression and say do you know what I'm gonna to need to change a game of football here and Pep's been known to do that as well he's like I've had enough of you two you're getting off you're not doing it for me because he was very animated all day and frustrated and came out and said he was annoyed but his annoyance didn't translate into early changes that's just a slight observation yeah no look I agree I've said it before I think there was the game obviously I can hop back to the Leeds game where we were 2-1 up and he brought Lukaku on when it was 2-1. And I was thinking, at that point against Leeds, you know, we, we were sort of holding on a bit. We were going longer a bit. And I was thinking, get Rom on now. Instead, he brought him on at 2-1 when we're chasing that goal. I can't remember, but Liverpool, you know, I was getting a bit frustrated, thinking, make a change, make a change. Yeah, there have been definitely some games on Tuka where you think he does leave a change a bit late, almost because, you know, he's thinking, well, we're doing okay. We're still against E3. It was still 0-0. So point. he was still doing, he was still doing, I think against Brighton, you know, I was... I, I mean, he eventually brought N'Golo Kante on in the home game against Brighton and it did, you know, shore up things a bit, obviously, until, until they scored that injury time time equaliser. But if there have been games, it does feel like a sub has been crying out to be made, but maybe because we've been, been, been hanging on at times and just about clinging on, he's kind of, you know, stayed away from making that sub. Um, but, you yeah, know, I definitely think that is one thing is that the subs yesterday just did, did not work. You know, ultimately, he took Pulisic and Ziyech off uh, for, for Werner and Hudson-Odoi and... and Basically, to me, that was him sort of rectifying a mistake he made by not starting. Well, by not starting them, really, it wasn't necessarily, you know, a, a change that was really going to make a huge impact at that point in the game. But it was one where you thought, yeah, he's probably rectifying a mistake from earlier. But yeah, it's one of those. It's not. We don't need to be be too too worried about it. No, um, exactly. Next couple of questions are are quite similar, um, so I, I will will include them together. Uh, Dean Mears asked another defeat on Tuchel playing on the break and then picking Lukaku and Ziyech was never going to work. And Dwayne, do you think the loss was on the gaffer? How did we not attack City? I do think it, I, personally, I, look, I thought that sometimes it, the buck stops with the manager, doesn't it? That's the reality of football matches. And But we also have to remember who we're playing against and where that manager is in his cycle. So, for example, Pep is four or five years down the line, didn't win his first year either, the Premiership title, and also solves problems by buying £50 million players. They do that across the park, Man City. That's the way they operate. So where they are in their cycle of spending is a different world to Chelsea. Chelsea have been and gone in that world when we did that in the early days. Now we're looking to solve problems. We're trying to bring back a Kennedy and we're trying to make things happen um, with the youth team and at sometimes you just have to admit some of those youth type players won't make the grade it's a it's a it's a trying to understand how good they are and how they settle in a Chelsea side was it his fault yesterday I thought the side was slightly wrong if I'm honest and I did as I've already mentioned I did feel he should have made some changes earlier it was very evident to me that you've got to keep hold of the ball. When you don't get the ball much, you've got to keep hold of it. And up top, we were unable to keep hold of it, recycle it. And there was no progression in our play. And it was quite obvious that Pulisic and Ziyech and Rom were playing with a lack of confidence. And it needed the tenacity of an energy. And people will say, oh, it's because you're biased to Mount. It doesn't matter who it was. Werner, Mount, hudson Adoy. I just think you've got to give them 25, 35 minutes to impact a football match, not 12 minutes at the end when City are controlling the ball, you, you're chasing shadows by then. Um, so I think it is a little bit on TT, to be honest, on this one. I don't often say that, but I think you've got to say you can't be a messiah every week, can you? No, exactly. Honestly, Kalamazstoy was pretty bright against Spurs, I thought, in their second leg as well, so it would have been a decent option to go. And Johan Tuchel, it's, it's one of those, obviously it's not entirely on Tuchel, because as we mentioned earlier, when we went through the, the three moments we had in that game, 
he he can't, you know, he's not the one on the pitch making that wrong pass to, to Ziyech in an offside position. He's not the one over hitting the pass. So, you know, you can't be, you know, it's obviously not all on Tuchel, but I agree. It was definitely frustrating. You're thinking a change is needed. And even, you know, in that second half, I felt that game was even someone just crying out for someone like for, us, for Jorginho just to help us get on the ball a bit. Because as said, Kante and Kovacic were struggling a little bit. If Jorginho could maybe have come on for one of them, that might have helped a little bit. I'm not saying it would have changed a huge amount, but it might have just been something to try. And yeah, it was it was a tough one. It's obviously, you know, two, unfortunately against City, you know, two calls to, um, you know, to maybe two of our, two of our more disappointing games to watch this season have been against City where Tuchel's maybe not got it, you know, got it, has got, maybe got it slightly wrong. I think this, the, the home defeat was perhaps the more disappointing one, just given how dominant we were, how, sorry, how dominant City were on us that day. But yeah, it's... Do you two- think he overthink? do you think he maybe overthinks it sometimes? Because we had this really confident winning run and you know Pep in the Champions League final, that's not the game to overthink it. Yeah. And he did. He overthought his formation. He didn't play a DM, did he? And he, he basically tried to go blood and blood blood and guts and just all these amazing footballers and just overrun us. It didn't work. And then suddenly in the home game, we had a formula that was working. And suddenly that was the first day he tried to play Werner and Lukaku up, yeah. t- up top. And it was just totally backfired on the day, didn't it? Yeah, it was an interesting one because also that day we played free in midfield. That was one of the few times we played. We started with we a free in midfield and it just didn't work. But obviously, I think the previous weekend we'd gone in the second half free in midfield against Spurs and it completely worked. It completely dominated yeah, yeah, them. Point, yeah. So, it, so I think maybe that, that was in his thinking then. But yeah, it's interesting for whatever reason. But also, you've just got to say Manchester City are just a very good side with some very, yeah, very I mean, good I mean, players. I mean, it, we, I don't, it, I don't think you can really look into it like you know too no. intrinsically. It's just they are very, very good side. Um, Amazing. I like looking at how how many players get into our football side or how many get into our eleven and not being funny, there's a there's a good chance that maybe six, seven players for Man City have a chance of getting into the Chelsea eleven. You could make an argument for that many, at least uh, certainly five getting comfortably, don't they? So, you know, they're a good football side. They're yeah. gonna run out comfortable league winners, no doubt. Yeah, next question, just sar- sarcastically from Connor. We lost one 0 to Manchester City. Surely we're finished as a club. Yeah, exactly. As we just kind of linked it to what we just <laughs> no, said yeah. there. Very, very good team. You know, we let's we don't need to worry about it um, too much. Next question comes in from RJ. Focusing on the city game, what would you have done differently if you were too close? I mean, we've kind of answered that a little bit with, with our team we've gone. And which of our players were the standouts for you, if any? So, so Ben, who kind of stood out for you yesterday in that city game? Because it was quite, perhaps weren't perhaps many standouts. I don't think it was very easy to call, really. I mean, I, I don't think anyone up top was, you know, they could have all been subbed. I thought Kante wasn't his brilliant best, but was still had a lot of industry and broke up a lot of balls and, and tried hard to run for the badge. Kovacic had a, an indifferent game, some good, some bad. He was a, a bit sloppy on the ball yesterday, Kovacic, which was surprising. Maybe a bit leggy because he's come back from injuries. I mean, I never re- you can never look too far past the, the back three as being a unit of being good all year. Um, I thought Rudiger was fine. I think Silver even gave the ball away a couple of times in dangerous areas yesterday. Um, yeah, but... obviously could have probably done a bit better with the goal as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, so so I, I definitely think he, he didn't have his best game in a Chelsea shirt. If I'm honest with you, if you dissect it like that, it's a really good point. I mean, that's to, uh, Dave huffed and puffed, didn't he? And, and works hard. But if you look to everyone across the piece and you break it down like that, you probably have to say there was more five sixes out of tens than seven eights. And you need, we need at least eight of the 11 playing at eight or nines at Man City to get a result. And five or six are never going to get it done. I didn't think anyone really stood out in a Chelsea shirt. I thought Kante was the best of a, of a bad bunch, if I'm honest. Fair enough. Look, I think Kepa obviously, you know, was solid. He was reliable when yeah. he made some big saves. I think Malang saw, I guess, given that that was his biggest test, did okay, did fine. Yeah, no, you know, fine. He, yeah, didn't look, he didn't look out of his depth. I think it's still a couple of times his distributions, we said, with a bit, he shanked a few passes out. But it's one of those, like, we know he's not first choice. We know he's filling <laughs> he's in. He's like my golf swing, that is. He does a. <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it's one of those. It's not, we don't need to worry, you know, too much about it. There weren't necessarily stand, too many standouts from the City game, but at the same time, it wasn't, you know, horrendous. And, you know, the City game probably went it, as many people kind of saw it going, just being realistic. Uh, next question comes in from Dieter. Hi, guys. Does Malang Sar merit a spot in the starting lineup against Brighton and Tottenham? 
Okay, so there's three. I realize there's three questions here. So that's the first part of the three questions. So does yeah. Lang's star merit a start against Brighton and Spurs for you? For Ben, or is I guess it's dependent on if Andreas Christensen's back from. Well, Kirby. I think he will start now because one, I think he's a young, fit lad, and he's broke. He's got some rhythm, and there's no way his performance at City puts him out of the starting eleven, does it? So, and Christensen is definitely not going to be fit unless it comes back as a. Uh, a Liverpool test um, <laughs> had to get that one in um, so I think he does I think it's a fair chance he does start I'm comfortable with him starting I do prefer Chelsea in the five people won't agree with that but I just think Brighton's a tough game as well and I I, I think he will start if I'm honest fair enough and, and start against Spurs as well or is that maybe would that maybe then be Christensen if well I back? think it would probably I would look to try revert to type if I can and a free best I mean we're certainly missing Trev but if the, the other three pick themselves for me Christensen Rudy and Silva's just a Rolls Royce anytime you've got an opportunity to get them on a football pitch they play especially with the break coming up if Christensen's going to be outside of protocol in terms of his testing by then be over seven days wouldn't it so I would suggest that he would play them um but I would, uh, I would always go with those three. I like us in a three there. I think it's a good shape. It's only been made more difficult because of the wing-back situation. But the thing I don't like is I don't want Alonso as a left-back. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know? That's, that, that's very fair. Um, his next question, who is the worst player at Tottenham and at Manchester City? Who was the worst? Well, well, I'll tell you what, a couple of things for me... Um, the worst player for Chelsea uh, at Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham was a strange one. So I think you've got to manage the situation. Um, we, we were in a very commanding position, and like a like a title like a title fight boxer who manages situation. We kept them at arm's length. We managed the rounds. We managed the football match. We scored early, so therefore we didn't need to be very progressive and do much. There are a lot of quiet performances because we were recycling the ball. So it's very difficult to review a performance, in my opinion, because we were just managing a football match at arm's length. Um, I thought there were. I thought there was a, a number of. Okay, I mean, Rudy stood out, but I mean, Mason was quiet as well at Tottenham. There were a few quiet performances, no doubt. I thought Lukaku was dreadful at Tottenham. Um, the only reason why is because effort and endeavour and work rate are just a, a like a prerequisite for playing number nine up top. I don't care about the rest. If you have a bad day, touch wise, or you misplace a few passes or miss a few chances. That's unlucky. But if you're not running, he doesn't get up in the air, Nick. He doesn't jump for any. He doesn't move. So I thought he was really poor in both games. I thought he was dreadful yesterday. He had seven jewels in the air yesterday and lost them all. Seven. He's, I mean, he, that's unbelievable for him to not even get one of those. I thought his passing, his distribution was poor. For me, I think he's close to being the poorest player on the pitch in both games, if I'm honest. Yeah, no, it's- Pretty hard to disagree about Rom. I said Rom since he's coming back from the interview just hasn't looked, you know, the same player. He's just been quiet and he's yeah, just not looked amazing. Uh, we kind of again sort of you know just you kind of stayed your view on this just uh, not too long ago. But he says the third part question is: We as Chelsea supporters know Marcus Alonso has no pace. So would Callum or Pulisic have been a better fit against City? It uh, no, no for me because we need the defensive solidity. I don't think the thing is about Alonso um, again. This is the reality we're in. And sometimes people are just slightly getting this this wrong. He is a second choice wing-back option for Chelsea, who started the season very brightly um, while Ben wasn't in the side. He brings a lot going forward, and he's actually very talented on the ball. You can see he's a cultured footballer. He's got a great first touch, a good delivery. What he lacks is obviously genuine pace, and it's defensively he gets caught. Look, we won't be the only defender this season who gets exposed by Sterling's low centre of gravity, gravity and electric pace in behind, by the way. So it does make it easier for him to glance past. But he kind of managed the situation after an early booking, if I'm honest. It wasn't like he tore him to shreds for 90 minutes. Um, I definitely would always go with a recognised centre left back or wing back by trade than playing someone like a Pulisic who just will just go missing in action. I just don't like the sole experiment there. I don't like the Pulisic. I don't like Hudson Odoi there. I don't get it. If you're chasing the game and you want an attacking option, that's different. But City, from the start, that would have been a big ask. 
Yeah, exactly. And just, I mean, Solly March is still giving me nightmares from the way he absolutely ruined Christian Pulisic <laughs> at Stamford Bridge. So, well, I mean, but, I don't, yeah. know, I've never seen so many dummies. I don't think you get, you can't, you can't, you don't get as many dummies in mother care than you do on that game. He got twisted inside. I've never seen him turn so much. It was, a, it was actually a clinic. It was almost a bit embarrassing, that was, wasn't it? Yeah, no, so we don't really, I said, I never want to see Pulisic at Force 9 again, and I never want to see Pulisic at the wing back again. Uh, it's pretty simple for me. Uh, final question comes in from Dan Hill. In terms of bridging the gap to City, what did you see from David you feel needs addressing? Is the personnel issue or a case of more consistency and experience needed? Because obviously now then, yeah. the gap is 13 points. Yeah. They, you know, the gap, we don't need to get us, the gap between Chelsea and the eventual title winners the last few years has been very big. Yeah. I think last year the gap was was 19 and that was probably purely due to the fact that Manchester actually started that season pretty slow and we're about eighth or whatever it in October, mm-hmm. November time before going before going on a great one and and winning it um convincingly. But what what for you is what do we need to do in terms of bridging the gap? Well, I mean it's interesting because at the start of the year we were getting to a situation where we won the Champions League and the nucleus of people coming back, the squad is so strong in terms of size. And um, that was the original uh, opinion and consensus. We also were looking at final pieces in the jigsaw. So you've got to remember that final piece in the jigsaw is Lukaku, isn't it? That's the 97 million. That's the goal score that everyone said we needed. Well, that guy hasn't produced, has he? For whatever reason, injury, COVID, media interviews, not loving the club, whatever. He hasn't hit the ground running. He hasn't scored the goals. And he's going to come up way short on his own personal tally that he would have set at the beginning of the season. So that's obviously going to be exposed. But the main thing for Chelsea Football Club is moments in football matches which we get opportunities to win, we haven't utilised. We need to be more ruthless. So if you're looking to bridge the gap, we're going to have to change some areas in that attacking third. And those players are going to go. And I would be very surprised if a Ziyech um, would be at the club, a Ross Barkley. These players will be moved on, no doubt about it. I cannot see their way they will play for Chelsea Football Club because we just haven't killed off teams and you only have to look at those time with Burnley Everton Brighton United games we should have won there that's eight points if you get a better result in one of the two games at City you could win one of those games that's suddenly that's just not a six point deficit you've taken you've balanced the books with your title rivals there's definitely things we need to do better um, but we did try and piece it together with the hundred million pound player, but he's he's come up way short. My 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 real concern is is he ever going to be the right player for Chelsea? Because he his heart doesn't look in it to me, and that is a massive concern. I do feel like we have got great potential out on loan, but I don't think they're going to necessarily bridge the gap. Chelsea need more goals in that football side. You look at the 0405 side; it's a really good example. I'd have played up top. He didn't score loads of goals. He only got 12. Drogba supported, but he got over 10. Lampard got over 10. There's three in double figures already. Duff with seven. Cole with six. And then you can go Robin and people like that. They had seven, eight goals in the league. You look at our side, Jorginho still the top scorer from the penalty spot. And no one else is anywhere near where they need to be on goal retention. And, and goals win games. It's so obvious to say but they make a bad performance look half good. You can play useless like Liverpool did at Wolves. They were dreadful and they nick it in the 94th minute and they go home with three points and everyone's happy and they've got momentum and we just are not ruthless enough. And that's where we need to address it for me. Yeah, Dan, in terms of bridging the gap to see, look, Pep's also been at City for six years, roughly six years. Yeah, great, Um, cool. He's had time. He's had a lot of time to build his squad. Tuchel has been here not even just, just under a year. It'll be his year anniversary in about nine, 10 days time or whatever. Um, and you look at it, he's also working with a, a mishmash of previous regimes. You look at it, I'm not saying, you know, this is me to be having a go of them. Would, is, is Timo Werner really a player Tuchel, Thomas Tuchel wants to have in his Chelsea team the way he plays? I'm not entirely sure. Is Hakim Ziyech a player he really wants to have in his Chelsea team to play yeah. the way he plays? I'm not entirely sure. Um, he needs time with these players. He needs time to build his own squad. Um, I'm saying all this, but we know it's Chelsea. So the reality of this happening is is pretty unlikely. Um, but I think that's how we bridge the gap. Chelsea over the years have been able to become a pretty good cup team because for you know games for in isolation over one or two legs, Chelsea can, can go toe-to-toe the best, but consistency-wise over a 38-game season, they can't because unfortunately 
be lack of quality in some areas of the pitch shows through over 38 games in, 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 you know, knockout ties, you can get away with it because you, if your players are on their day on their best form, they can get away with it. But in terms of, yeah, bridging the gap, it is a personnel issue because we need, we need better, we need better depth. You look, City have had, you know, COVID as well, but you probably wouldn't know that they've had COVID cases because they've still been able to maintain this 12 game winning run. Whereas we've been hit hard by COVID injuries and we've seen how much it has, has affected us. Um, and as, again, I said at the start of the pause, well, our attack is a lot of our starting attackers are pretty young. They're all, they're not in their prime yet. So they're all kind of growing together and they, we don't have, Rom is meant to be that guy who is, who's about one in his prime, who's meant to kind of lead us. But unfortunately it's just not, just not working out so far. So it's, um, yeah, it's a tough one. I think, and I said, I said this to, uh, uh, to someone yesterday, Manchester City are, have got a world-class team with a world-class manager. We've just got a good team with a world-class manager. And our manager is so world-class that for, a, for about two or three months, he had us believing that we were, you know, we we could win the league when we were top. Yeah, so I think um, that's kind we of... We had bad injuries up. as well. I mean, injuries are key. Yeah. I mean, a good example of that is people, you don't sometimes have to... You know, bridging the gap is one thing, but you also have to understand the situation. Look at Liverpool's title winning side. They win the, they won the league because everyone's fit. They go the next season, they have half a dozen key, you know, even half a dozen and one or two key members gone and suddenly they fall from that dizzy height. Chelsea have lost key players at key times. They've been long-term and they've been difficult to fill. Also added to the fact that our £100 million man hasn't fired, which was what we we're going to do. I certainly think it will take a long look at the guys on loan, the lad at Southampton looks a real prospect, doesn't he? Connor Gallagher, Billy, they'll all be back to have a look and see if he can work with them and utilise them and see what we can do. They're young lads, but another option to try and move the squad in another direction will help. And also, football teams have cycles, and you don't know how Man City's cycle is going to be, how they're going to go. They didn't have a centre-forward this year, but they solve problems by buying £50 million-plus players. If they've got an issue at right-back, they don't bring Kennedy back. They buy someone and they probably buy the lad at Everton because they're happy to take him for a year just to fill a void. We, we're we not that club at the moment. I think people need to remember we do have buying power. But we probably don't quite compete to their level off the pitch anymore. Yeah, no, exactly. And I said, again, on him back, we've also had, you know, when you have a mismatch of managers and don't have a clear vision of what, what way your team plays, it's kind of, six month in six to 12 months of increments or basis, then you're going to be left with players that, you know, you've just got to, the next manager has to try and get a tune out of. And ultimately they're not of the same quality or style of a way he wants to play. So you're going to struggle. Sit. Pepper's got a team that all by, all can play how he wants. His whole squad can play the way he wants. And again, it kind of links to what I said earlier, stylistically, you know, we can't play the same way without, with, with Reese James, uh, no, with Cesar Azpilicueta and Marcelo Alonso as wingbacks. Which is why, where what we ideally need to do, you go into the market and you get players who obviously, you know, if you can't get them the same quality as Ben Chilwell and Rich James, that's fine. Because you can find players of that quality is not easy, but you need to find those sort of players who are stylistically similar ish and can fit, you know, who, who mm. could come in if over is so injured and you can still really play the same way you did one or two as a team instead of having to write, you know, play differently. Because let's be clear, Aspel cannot bomb forward and whip in a ball like Rich James. Cesar Aspel delivery. Compared to Reese James, it is not even comparable. Reese James's delivery is 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 so far clear. And well, it's one of the best in the league, isn't it? So, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it, one of the things I would say, which is interesting, and it's a good point, and I think this sort of highlights what I was saying about competing with them. Man City were able. This is a really good point, actually, because we've got the same scenario. So t- Chelsea bought Werner at fifty million. And Man City bought Torres at around 50 million, didn't they? Man City have come up, I've realised that 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 gamble, that that idea around that player isn't right for his project. Now, whatever reason that is, where he doesn't train well, he's got a bad attitude, he wanted to go home. He was a good player, scored goals on days and had had performed for City at times when he was in the side, but has moved on. They've taken the chance to get rid of that stock and go again. They can afford to do that with that 50 million pound asset. Chelsea have played, see Werner play 60, 70 times. Now, is Chelsea, is Werner good enough to play for Chelsea Football Club? Probably comes up short for me, if I'm honest, at elite level Chelsea. That touch isn't wonderful. He huffs and puffs and he certainly can't fault his work rate. But is he quite good enough? That's the difference with Man City. They are able to go, wow, this Torres isn't right for me. Pep doesn't like working with him. Yeah, move him on board, please. They get their money back, get some of it, and they go again. 
that it's a different level, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's a, probably a, a, quite a fair example, I'd say. Yeah, because again, for all the praise we've given City for for the players, time, they've also been had some fairly hit and miss signings as well. Claudio Definitely. Bravo was signed as a keeper. He after one season, he needed to be replaced and ended up being a backup to Edison. You know, they spent money on the likes of you know Mangala over the years. Um, you know, they've signed Nathan Ake for forty odd million for them to hardly set the world alight. Yeah, Mendy's, Mendy's obviously got his issues off the pitch. Yeah. Jack Grealish hasn't had a wonderful season. They've played over the odds. That's the point. Chelsea Chelsea wouldn't dream of parting with a hundred million for Jack Grealish. We just wouldn't. One, he isn't an asset or a player worth of that value. But Chelsea City are able to play pay that top premium way over the odds, and they can they can afford to accommodate him for a year while he finds his feet. He's not been brilliant all season. He wasn't brilliant yesterday, but they can still get it done. So I think we just got to remember we're early in the cycle. We've got a long, lot of young kids. And when they come on a bit, we'll go again in the league. I'm sure of that. Yeah, no, I think it's just, you know, time City have sort of their peak and we're sort of, you know, slowly, you know, trying to trying to get there. That's where we, we want to get to. It said, yeah, we don't need to, you know, worry too much. That we beat City when it mattered most in Porto. And I, I honestly feel we're in the season, Super Cup. I think we'll win the Carabao. I think we're, obviously we should win that club well. I mean, who we're playing? I mean, I don't even know them as a team, but we're disappointed we didn't win that. And I think we'll run, we'll we'll nick one of the FA Cup or the other one, we'll run it, uh, Champions League, we'll run that very close. If we consolidate top three, we're in that comfortably. We're no dogfight on the last day to finish fourth, which we have been before in a couple of years gone by. So at the end of the day, I would say that's a really successful season for Tuchel. In yeah. my opinion, no, exactly. Completely, completely agree there. This season's still got a lot of potential to be to be a very enjoyable season for, for all Chelsea fans. Um, right, that's going to wrap it up for this week of that Chelsea podcast. I hope you've enjoyed. It's been a top top episode. I've loved discussing this with Ben. Ben, before you go, give yourself one last plug where people can find you on Twitter and obviously your your YouTube channel and your show with Scotty. Yeah, absolutely. So Redder CFC is my uh, Twitter handle. You can find me on there. Daily videos, normally previews and match reactions and a bit about individual players. We're now doing a show once a week. It's called Our Chelsea Week, which basically highlights um, what we're doing and what we're discussing that week, Chelsea-wise. This week will be Thursday. It'll be a live show, our first one. So it will incorporate um, City Brighton, which I'm going to, and then the following game, almost a preview to Tottenham. So light-hearted show with Scotty, who's a who's a Chelsea lifelong fan, who's certainly knowledgeable about the game. So check that out. Really, really enjoyed this today. It's been great fun. Thank you so much for having me on. I loved it. Oh, Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure chat Chelsea with you for the last hour. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter, about Chelsea Pod, on Instagram, about Chelsea Pod, we're on all your usual podcast platform, fighters, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you can leave us a rating and a review, that always goes a long way. When I tweet a pod, put out, like, retweet, share it about, play it to whoever will listen, play it to your man, play it to basically anyone who, who's who got ears, and that will go a long way for us. Um, until the next episode, everybody keep blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.